0: It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz
1: every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Hey,
0: uh, we are back. And if you're watching on Fox Nation cameras, you know me, Park is here. North Korean defector, human rights activist, author of a brand new book called While Time Remains, A North Korean Defector's Search for Freedom in America, And you might have seen, you know me, on my show on One Nation on Saturday night. She's also been all around, speaks at international conferences. And when she sits next to Jeff Bezos, she didn't originally know who the Amazon founder was. But she's here now. You know me, welcome back.
1: Thank you for having me. I mean,
0: what what a great story you are. I know you're a little tired of going over it. But it is the story that that captures everyone's, uh, like, horror in the beginning and, and feels great about where you are. But first off, you're born in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Almost nobody knows anything about the Hermit Kingdom. Yeah. What was your reality as a child?
1: Every day I was starving and I had to buy in front of the dictators portraits in the household. And when I go to school, the only things the teachers taught me was how horrible American bastards were and how amazing our dear leaders were.
0: They taught you that they thought they were like super you thought they were supernatural. You thought Kim Jong un and uh, yeah. Kim Jong-il, they were, they were supernatural gods, right?
1: Yeah, they were gods to us. They, I believed that he could read my mind. He knew how much hair on my head. And the first thing first thing that my mom told me as a young girl was, don't even whisper because the birds and mice could hear me.
0: Did, did your parents believe that?
1: I don't know, but because in North Korea, if you say you don't believe, you get executed along with three generations of your family. So you, there's no way you know what people think.
0: Your dad was ambitious, and he kind of did some things on the black market there to get some additional food. What was he doing?
1: He initially sold, like, dried fish, clocks, and clothes, and then later he was selling metals, like nickel and copper, and that was a crime.
0: Got caught? Yeah. Went to prison?
1: Yes, he was. was did sent your mom to go to prison, too? Yeah, he did. And she
0: you did. were how old?
1: I was about nine at the time.
0: And your sister?
1: 11, twelve.
0: Eleven, mm-hmm. and they just you just had no parents. No you had to fend for yourself.
1: Yeah. How did you do that? I guess it's you know humans are very strong when you face this kind of you know death almost you become very strong and you know, You learn how to survive.
0: You knew you had to get out Yeah, so when your dad got out of prison, he wasn't the same guy Mm-mm. So he was just beat down right what was what did he tell you? prison was like?
1: It's unspeakable. I think I remember when he came out, he could not look at my eyes because in prison, they teach them to not to look at the guard's eyes because you are not a human being anymore. When you commit a crime, you are not a human being. So he was not used to look at my eyes or anybody's eyes. He just could not look at people's eyes ever again.
0: When did you decide you had to get out of there?
1: When I was 13 years old. And we could not just find any more grasshoppers or dragonflies. You're eating, eat.
0: you're eating insects.
1: Yeah, that's what I was doing when I was kids.
0: Because you would deny, because you, both your parents were prisoners, it got even harder for you?
1: 90% of people are starving in North Korea because the regime realized that it's easier to control people when there are less of them. So they chose to starve us and kill us from starvation.
0: So it wasn't an accident that you guys weren't hurt. It wasn't bad farming.
1: No, it was a man-made. This was intentionally. Yeah, it's a man-made famine, intentionally.
0: What did you do for fun?
1: We don't know what that is. We don't have that concept. In North Korea, we don't have a word for stress because we don't – how can you be stressed living in a socialist paradise? Right. Yeah, and we don't know what happiness is. We don't have a word for love because – the only love we know is the, our love for the dictator and not our love for other people.
0: When, uh, when so you leave at 13, you find a, someone to smuggle you out into China.
1: Yeah, that's how initially we want to escape. And then there was a person who wanted to help us. And that was a lady who was selling us to human traffickers.
0: So they got you into China and sold you off?
1: Yeah, they sold us as, as sex slaves.
0: You, your sister, and your mother?
1: So my sister went first, and a few days later, my mother and I followed her, and that's when we all three got sold separately.
0: Is there any way to put words to how terrible that was?
1: <laughs> do
0: you try not to think about it?
1: I do think about it because, you know, there are 300,000 of them right now in China while you and I are talking. And I'm one of just 209 of them came to America.
0: How did you get out?
1: I had to cross the frozen Gobi Desert into Mongolia by foot. How and old I was, was that? I was 15 years old in 2009 in February. That's how I got out of China, and missionaries rescued me from South Korea.
0: Who led you across the desert missionaries? No, they
1: couldn't. It's the chance of surviving is 1%. They would do, gave us compass. And told us to walk, follow the northern star, like northern and western side, and cross the six, uh, eight wire fences. Who went? And we survived.
0: You and your mom and?
1: And then a few other people in our group that we crossed together.
0: And you got into South Korea?
1: And the Mongolia, and- then Mongolia. they sent us to South Korea.
0: And in South Korea, were you okay?
1: In South Korea, I was protected, I was safe.
0: And what did you do for money? Once you got there?
1: I was I was young. I had to study by myself. And then I had to work. You know, My mom was washing dishes in the restaurant. I was working in the dollar store. I was working as a waitress. And that's how I supported myself.
0: Too. What about your dad?
1: He passed away. He, when? he In China, he got a lot of sick from the torture prison in, in North Korea. So he passed away in 2008 in China.
0: Uh, unbelievable sadness. You're, but you're in South Korea. Do you feel hope?
1: No, because by then I lost my faith in humanity. Like anybody I met was my rapist in China. And they were the worst things I've ever seen. So, And then not only that, like I got to South Korea. They say the Americans are not horrible. They are living under democracy. And everything that I believed was a lie.
0: And how long did it take you to understand that? Did you know immediately... America was not what it was meant to be? Or did you not believe it at first?
1: Of course I did not believe it. I think I was reading George Orwell's book, Animal Farm, in 1984. That book changed my life. Wow. I, I was able to understand what happened to me.
0: So your parents, your mom says, I'm staying, you want to go to America. Yes. How did you get there?
1: I came, this is the first country I came legally, I guess. I came here to write my first book. And then with the penguin random house, and then I went to uni- uh, Columbia University in uptown.
0: How did they find out you had this incredible story?
1: They didn't. I accident- I accidentally gave a speech in Dublin, Ireland, and that speech went viral and viewed by almost like a billion people. So the penguin random house like reached out to me and wanted to write a book.
0: And you go to America and you stayed.
1: Yeah, I, I came here. I got the O1 visa. It's called something extraordinary visa, and then they gave me green card afterwards.
0: So you got a green card. Where mm. are you living at this point?
1: I'm I'm in New York, and I became American last year, actually.
0: Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. But you were in Chicago, and you got mugged, right?
1: Yeah, it was. It's it was unbelievable. I mean, being mugged is okay. You can be mugged, but what people did to me because I was mugged right in front of my child, who was two years old, and several black women during the BLM protests were punching me and took my wallet out. Because? It's okay. Anybody can be a thief. But the people on the street were refusing to help me. And not only that, they were screaming at me and calling me a racist because I was trying to call the cops on these criminals.
0: And you must be like, what the hell is going on here?
1: Yeah, I literally thought this is crazier than North Korea. Even in North Korea, if there's a victim getting robbed, we're going to help them
0: they know, you know me, that that your prominence, that they just thought you were just somebody, an Asian woman walking in the street, and they're targeting you?
1: Yeah, so these people think that Asians are not our privilege right now, right? We are getting educated. But you're
0: as bad as white people.
1: Right, we are like, they call me, I'm a white passing person. So I am guilty. I have almost white privilege. And therefore, I cannot be a victim, even though I am being victimized by this Black women being punching me and taking my wallet away. I have no right to defend myself, and I cannot even call the police on these criminals. I don't deserve any compassion and justice in their mind because of my skin color.
0: What year is this?
1: Two, it was a BLM protest. Was two a, years ago. Yeah, two years ago, literally.
0: So you got out of Chicago because you feel when these people get out of jail, you put them in jail, right?
1: I did. I, yeah. One of the girls got to jail, but not my. she committed 15 other Charges, yeah. So my thing was dropped. The judge gave it to the other crime, and she got to jail. But still, my story was the most public, so I was afraid that she could come out and commit a revenge crime.
0: So you're you're back in New York. Yeah, I am. So one of the compelling things about your story is we're covering education and the disturbing fact that so many parents, through the pandemic, are seeing what these kids are learning Mm -hmm. and about uh, the 1619 project. America is built on stolen land on the backs of slavery. Uh, that, uh, w- that were imperialistic, white centric, white supremacist, all horrible notions of what America is. You would think by a greatest enemy instead of are being taught in schools. But you came across this when you got to college mm-hmm. and you write about it in your book that you, you know, ever everything you've been through, you are shocked that one time you got somebody's pronoun wrong and they were so offended mm-hmm. and you looked at them and they were really hurt and
1: they were crying. Literally they in tears. Literally in tears. From what
0: you've been through. Yeah. And for them to cry because some ridiculous notion of pronoun awareness. Yeah. How do you process that?
1: I think that's when I realized that not having a problem is actually a problem. They literally, this woke ideology, teach you to create an injustice out of nowhere. It's really looking for oppression out of nowhere. Like, that's not an oppression, but for their mind, that me calling... Him, because it was a biological male, and I did not know what they meant. And I couldn't really use it It was a biological
0: myself. male. Yeah. But and you said he.
1: Yeah. so How dare you? I'm offended. <laughs> I know. And I was, that's for the first time I realized, this kid is brainwashed. Like exactly how North Korea, my classmates were brainwashed. I did not feel bad. I felt really bad for this. For him?
0: Yeah. You didn't blame yourself, obviously. He, of
1: course, these guys like much taller than me, bigger than me, in tears, thinking this is the biggest oppression he's ever facing in his life. And like somebody taught him that, that somehow this is a real oppression, and this is something that he should be like very destroyed about. And somebody planned that in his mind since he was a kid. So I was like starting realizing that American brainw- I mean, education system became another court system, like a North Korean system. They indoctrinate you. They don't teach you how to think. They tell you what to think.
0: And do you think that the American people should be concerned about this?
1: Of course. I mean, it's, it's, it, it wakes me up and I, because the same ideology that drove North Korea into what it is, is uh, happening in American universities. And they are cherishing this Marxism, collectivism, equity. It's the most horrible thing you can ever do, trying to fix the outcomes of everybody. You know, you can never do that. That's so evil. And they, I mean, our vice president keep talking about equity all the time. It's a, it's evil. That ideology drove hundreds of millions of human beings into death. And we are not combating that. We are somehow telling our kids that's a good thing to do.
0: It's uh, its astounding. By the, by the way, we're talking to Yanomi Park. Her, her book is now out. You got to pick it up while time remains. A North Korean defector's search for freedom in America. What's amazing is you were so able to perceive that. So if you're in North Korea, survival is your number one focus. Don't worry about insults, how people view me. I got to eat. Yeah. And then if we're in the middle of a war, we got an enemy. I got it. But you're saying without anything, without any focus, without any problems, America's creating their own problems. We do. And that's why these, these people were having meltdowns in front of you at this woke ideology is so damaging to the country, and it is almost, it's is pathetic, if you ask me. Don't you
1: feel? I mean, it's pathetic. Absolutely. I mean, for them, the injustices means how much range we give to the chickens in the farm. I mean, they are human beings. Like, I was sold for just above $200. Right. My mother was sold for $65 on the Chinese Communist Party. And in, instead of fighting real injustice, they want to fight how many ranges you're going to give to chickens. Like, that's, <laughs> I mean, the state really, like, lost it. They have no idea how other people are surviving this state.
0: And this is an Ivy League education in Colombia that people will pay, if they don't have the money, um, $85,000 a year to go to. And a lot of people say, well, I'll go there. I'm not going to listen to any of that. You know, I'm, I got strong parents. I don't believe that. Do you still think it should be a concern if you send your kid to a school like that?
1: I don't think... I will send my son to Colombia for sure. You will not. <laughs> and maybe if you're just going to study pure science, maybe then. But I don't think there's any point of going to studying humanity at this point currently because it is a pure religious court, pure indoctrination camp. And would you raise a child who is so not capable of understanding how reality works and not understanding how history works, you know, that's, that's, that's shocking. Why would you do that to your child? A
0: couple more minutes with Yanomi. You can stay, stick yeah. around. Oh, yeah, we'll take a short time out and come back and learn more. Uh, not only what's wrong with America, but how to fix it. Don't move. Brian Show. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The more you
1: listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: You know me, Park is here, North Korean defector, human rights activist, author of a brand new book, While Time Remains, a North Korean defector's search for freedom in America. And that's kind of sad that you have to do this. But you just came to this country at a fascinating time. I think uh, uh, I think the American people would love to hear your take on China. They put out a 12-point twelve, pace, uh, 12 a point peace plan. Should we believe that China wants peace in Ukraine?
1: No, I don't think that's what they want.
0: What is their obsession with Taiwan like? Why are they obsessed with taking over Taiwan?
1: I think it's like a symbolism for them, right? For them to take their old land back. I mean, I don't think it was even theirs, but the people who went there from during the... Chiang Kai-shek. Yeah, Chiang Kai-shek. A lot of people fled to Taiwan to be free. And
0: it's thriving in a capitalist society, right?
1: Exactly. Complete opposite from mainland of China. Right. The innovation, human rights and people are thriving. The culture is amazing. And I think that's maybe this is a really symbolism that they just want it all. At this point, it's not only they're expanding Taiwan, they're expanding to Africa, Middle East, even Iran. They get so much funding from China, even Indonesia. Like I have uh, so many friends, they were given scholarships from China and came to America to study. And I was like, of course, they will become pro-China eventually if we do that, right? Right. So everybody's under Chinese influence, right? Even American institutions are there. Even our Hollywood is under Chinese influence.
0: You mentioned that they're going to do a story on your life, and you say, great. And then you get the story back, and it makes China look great. Yeah. And you say, what was the name of the company? Mm-hmm. And what did, you say, what did they say when you told them, uh, China is not a hero in this. They were going to give me back to North Korea. I was human trafficked and sold as a sex slave there. What do they say to you?
1: This is the only way we can make a movie in current Hollywood.
0: And who? What was the name of the company?
1: I, I think You don't want to say yes, <laughs>
0: because you might want to do a deal with them anyway. No, I don't. You don't. I, I pulled
1: do the deal it. out of it. Wow. I was like, I'm not gonna make that movie. I
0: mean, and why do you think they want to give so many money to American colleges? So much money, I hundreds think. of millions of dollars. Why are they doing that?
1: I think it's it, it's good for them to have this allies in American mainstream that is pro China, right? Because they. They are cheating when, he, when we are trading with them. They, they, they're not fair partner. When, whatever we do, China always cheats. So whoever they can plant in American system, and they can continue to cheat. And nobody going to raise the, any, any voice in that.
0: And right now you're a human rights activist. Mm-hmm. And what are you doing in North Korea? So, with South Korea and North Korea?
1: Yeah, so there are two things I do. Is one, we are still rescuing North Korean defectors from China to freedom. So there are 300,000 of them and are being sold and raped every day. And their organs are harvested out of them. So we rescue them to free countries like South Korea, UK or America, Canada, like that. Wow. And then another one is we send information into North Korea. Balloons. Yes. We send the leaflets through the balloon launch.
0: Yeah. These are good balloons. Yes. These Not are the balloons ones. we've been shooting. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, pick up her book. While time remains, it'll truly be inspirational. It'll make you realize you have no problems. And you can overcome anything. You, you know me. It's been great talking to you. Best of luck the rest of the way. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.